Good morning. It is good to be with you. I'm Joel, and I'm excited to jump back into the Gospel of John today. And we're looking at the seven I am statements, seven metaphors, that when you start to understand more of who Jesus is, you'll recognize that he'll begin to transform more of who you are. And we're going to be able to do that in just a second. First, anybody remember growing up? Um, I, know I, I say my age all the time because I just don't care. Um, I, don't, I feel like I'm 17, so the fact that I'm 46, who cares, right? Um, anybody grow up with these fireworks called black cats? Yes. Weren't they fantastic? Um, so black cats, if you don't know for you younger generations, bunch of fireworks all combined together. You would typically take those and you would throw them at the feet of someone to scare them really bad. And when I was in middle school, I decided that I should scare one of my teachers. Um, I've always loved Jesus, but um, I, I enjoy scaring people occasionally. And so when they went out, we went out for like a recess PE type thing. And I was with some friends. We decided to throw those down at the feet and light them. And it scared the teacher. And um, I, I mean, I might have been sent to the principal's office. And we scared her so bad. Like, all of a sudden, I mean, there's the noise of that. It's loud. Like, I, I wanted to do a demonstration today here, but I did not think that would go well. And so I decided against that. But you light those things up, and it will scare you. Kids, look for a way to use those somehow moving forward. Um, get permission from your parents, so no matter what. Um, but it's a lot of fun to be able to do. But I tell you, it was so loud, and it will startle you. And I've been thinking about that because July the 4th is coming up, and right now, more than anything, we need Jesus to step in and to startle us in this world today. We are so desperate for it. I have, I'm in a place right now with somewhat a bit of turmoil I've never in my 46 years of living had so much turmoil in terms of just hurt. And I've never prayed so much for a world that does not know Jesus. But I think that's what comes the more you know of Jesus, the more you're desperate to see others come to know Jesus. Right? And we live in a broken, broken world. And so hopefully we're going to recognize today, we're going to let God work in our hearts to show us more of who Jesus really, really is. You know, with these I am statements, one of the things that we see happening is Jesus had left Nazareth. He's going to Jerusalem for one of the feasts that were required for Jewish people. And that's when he's calling out one of these I am statements. We explored last week the fact that Jesus was the bread of life. Well, now he's going to Jerusalem for a feast of tabernacles or uh, it's also called Sukkot, uh, and we look at this. He's going there for this festival. It's, just, it's a week-long festival, really celebrating the presence of God through the Exodus, celebrating who God was and his faithfulness that he provided, that he was always present with them. And so now, here they are, and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem with all these other people. I mean, this place is just packed with people right now. They're all coming into Jerusalem and Jesus starts to call out some things that were very, very important. Because we know that during this festival, it was in the fall, which means it was in the dry season for Israel. They certainly had a wet season, a rainy season, and they had the dry season. Here in Michigan, we just have 14 different seasons every day. 
right? So yesterday was 60-something degrees, and I think Tuesday is 97. Um, you never know what you're going to get. Well, over in Israel, a little different, and you have a dry season. And this is at the end of the dry season where the cisterns were dry at this point. They're, I mean, they, these are people who are looking for water of any kind. And here they are coming together for this religious festival. And what takes place are some rituals that really signify the presence of God and how he was faithful in the midst of the journey of the people of God, the Israelites. And one of the things that would happen every day is the high priest would come together and they would grab a, a pitcher of water. It was a golden pitcher. They would take it, they would fill it up with water, and they would pour that out on the altar in the midst of this dry season, in the midst of this need for water, this desperation for water, they would take that and they would pour that out. So this is important because here are all these people are coming in. They're flooding Jerusalem for this festival. And here what you find is a high priest pouring out this water on the altar. And then you find Jesus saying words like this from John chapter 7. Now this is prior to chapters and verses and all that. But then he calls out words like this. John chapter 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, imagine this. Like on the last day, they would have actually walked around the altar seven times. And then they would have poured out this water. And then he says these words. If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Right? It's a dry season. Everything's parched. Cisterns are empty. But there's more because whoever believes in me, as the scripture has says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in the world right now, what I see is a whole bunch of people thirsty. And I'm going, but I know what can quench your thirst. Imagine this. Here's a high priest pouring out this water. These people are thirsty. And it's symbolic of God's presence and God's provision over and over again. And Jesus stands up in front of all of them and says, I'm the living water. Don't you get it? Right? Every day that high priest can come with that pitcher of water and start pouring it out on the altar. But guess what he's going to have to do again tomorrow? Pour out the water again. Because the only thing that where you're going to find fulfillment, where your heart will even overflow with the goodness of who I am, is called Jesus Christ. I'm the living water. If you're thirsty, come to me. If you're hungry, come to me. And he's stepping into that. Another one of the rituals that would be happening right now is that there at the temple, they would have these huge golden lamps that were sitting up on top of the temple. It's a picture of it. I want to be able to show for you. And what would happen, you can even see some ladders. Like these young men would go up, and what they would do is they would take olive oil because they had lots of that there. Right? And each one could hold up to 75 gallons of olive oil. Now, I did some math. This isn't even an entire gallon. It would take, each one of these could hold up to 121 of these. 121. I was going to go buy them all. I was going to like, let's get 121 of these. Amount, I didn't think it was good use of resources. But I'm like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of oil, isn't it? And four of them lighting up like imagine, I mean, 121 of these, four different times on top of the temple, lighting everything. And here it is. It's the end of this giant festival saying, God has provided. God's presence is great. 
He's incredible. Look at this. And then Jesus, this will tell you why they were just so bothered by Jesus, the religious leaders. Because then Jesus, all of a sudden, he steps into the picture. And what's he say? All of a sudden, he goes, hey, guys, you see all this? You see all this? You see how bright it is? Guess what? I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And part of what I see happening in the world today is all these people coming and they're going, hey, wait a second here. We're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for satisfaction. We're looking for anything we can because we're thirsty and it's dry and it's parched and people just absolutely detest one another. They hate each other. There's division everywhere you go. And yet everybody is looking for something more. And Jesus steps into the picture with all that light shining throughout the temple, throughout the city and goes, guess what? I'm the answer. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. We need the light of Jesus more than ever. He's the light of the world. And you start to see the significance of what Jesus was doing. See, one of the things that Jesus did is he stepped in in the midst of all these festivals and even the rituals and he says and he would take the rituals and say hey guess what that's just a ritual I'm the real thing say like, wait a second what happened to our ritual and they'd get upset about that they'd work they had worked really hard on keeping their ritual their routine of what they wanted this is how we do things and now Jesus steps in and says no guess what I'm the light of the world sometimes we don't fully understand the brightness of Jesus Christ because Jesus is stepping into our life and he's going to come in and he's going to say you know what I'm going to replace some of those routines that you've built some of those things that you think you have to do. Guess what? I'm the light of the world. This, this will run dry. Every day you've got to fill that, ba- that, that, that baby back up. Every day you've got to come. You've got to keep pouring it in. Guess what? It's going to burn away. It's not going to ever really provide you with the satisfaction, the fulfillment that you need in life. But me, I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And he steps in. We need more than ever right now the light of Jesus Christ and what we're going to have to really do today is to examine if we actually know the light of the world do we know the light of the world or are we just running Searching for more, searching for more, searching for more. So I hope, I pray, our hearts are prepared for the light of the world to jump into our lives and to explode out of them. And so, God, right now, there is darkness, but yet you are the light. There's hardship, and yet you give perseverance. And, God, perhaps there are people who are here or watching online, wherever they may be, God, and even in one of the other venues here in this place, God, there. Man, there's just got to be some of us who are just desperate to really understand what it means for you to be the light of the world.
And so prepare us now, God. Prepare us, prepare our hearts to see you more clearly than ever before. You are the light of the world. And we give you praise. Stand with us as we sing this together. Sing this out to him. God, we need your light to shine. Amen. You may be seated. So you can imagine being the person who is there for this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths, another name, and yet here they are, and the high priest, the, the religious leaders are going through all of these routines, all of these rituals, and here comes Jesus, and he, and he looks up, and he sees all this, and he says, no, 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 no. This doesn't do it for you. I, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And John does an incredible job helping us to understand what it is for Jesus to be the light of the world. That if you're a new believer, or maybe you're one of these individuals who you're going, hey, I I, I get that he was a great guy, he's a prophet, but not really sure about him being the son of God. The Gospel of John is one of those places you just run to because it helps to paint such a, an amazing picture of who Jesus actually is. right? And that's what we're needing to do. We're needing to examine the picture that you've painted of Jesus. Like who he is, how would you describe him? Right? We describe people all the time. Somebody recently said, so, tell me about your wife. 
And so I told him about my wife. Oh, man, she's beautiful. Or she's intelligent. She keeps me lined up because sometimes I can just go all over the place. And she keeps me going in the right place. And she helps to sharpen me. And she's wise. And we're talking about these things. Like, I'll, I'll describe her. How would you describe Jesus, though? If somebody says, hey, listen, you've got this guy that you say is your savior and your king, and you're going to surrender everything to him, so how would you describe him? And we need to know how to describe him. And the Gospel of John really helps us in knowing through the metaphors and through the descriptions of Jesus who he is so that we can then be transformed in a greater way. Who Jesus is changes who we are. It transforms us. I am transforms who I am. The great I am transforms who I am. But you go back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, I've got, I'll just call these out for you. And maybe you want to write them down, go back and look at them again. But in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So here he already is calling out the light that has overcome the world. The, the light that shines in the darkness, the, the darkness has not overcome it. So he's calling this out for us. Even a few verses later in John chapter 1 verse 9, he does something very similar. John 1 9 when he says, the true light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he's speaking about Jesus. He's speaking about here he is. Jesus is here to triumph over evil, even in the symbolism of light and darkness. We know that darkness symbolizes Satan and evil, and yet here's light, uh, the, the light of Jesus coming in, and yet if there's light, there can't be darkness. John does it more and more, even at the very beginning of John chapter 1, verse 1. More metaphors and more descriptions and more understandings of who Jesus is. He says, the word was what? And in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so we see who he is in the word, and even the beautiful balance. This is, this is phenomenal to me. This beautiful balance of knowing that who Jesus is, is the light of the world. You go to Psalm 119, 105. It says, your word is is a lamp, so here's the word, John 1, 1, he is the word, is a lamp unto my feet, a light, there's Jesus again, unto my path. And so as a believer in Jesus, what we learn today from this metaphor, this understanding that he is the light of the world, is man, if he's going to be the light of our world, we want to absorb as much of him as possible so that he can shine forth in our light, so that he can be seen in our light. And again, that's, that passage from Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. All of a sudden, that's what gives us direction. And so what we want to do is we want to make sure that the direction in our own life is coming from his word. So we strive to know him because we want him to burst forth from our life, to shine to the people around us. We, we want that lamp that you saw on top of the temple. Can we at least have that on top of every one of our homes? Shining the light of Christ, letting people know the difference in our life because we know the Savior of the world, the light that has come into the world. It's a, it's a very different way to think about things, let's be honest. Because we don't always think about things biblically. What we've sometimes done is we've said, you know what? 
I want my life, and we've compartmentalized Jesus. Even this last week, talking to some people, I recognize that they had compartmentalized Jesus. They had compartmentalized their faith, meaning they have work, they have family, they have money, they have church or Jesus, God, right? And they compartmentalize everything. And yet, if you recognize that he is the light of the world, there's no longer a compartmentalizing of your life. It's Jesus Christ, and everything falls into that. You're picking that up, right? Like, that's hard to do. That's a difficult thing to do. That's why when he's calling out in John chapter 8, verse 12 and following, when he says, I am the light of the world. That's what he says. Jesus speaks to them saying, here are all these things, all these things taking place with the high priest and everything else with the feast and, the, and, and all of these different events. He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of the of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you're bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. They called him a liar. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. So he comes out middle of the ritual, the routine that they would have been going through with this feast. And he says, I'm the light of the world. And they look at him and says, no, that's a lie. That's not who you are. Listen, simply because you don't want Jesus to be something in your life doesn't mean that that's not who Jesus is. Like some people just don't want to have to surrender to Jesus. And so because you don't want to have to surrender to anything but self, you're going to stand on what you want no matter what. It's called arrogance. It's called pride. You're not, un, you're not teachable. You certainly don't want God to continually transform you because that means with humility you ask questions before you make statements. And you don't want that because you don't want to have to surrender to anything in life except for your own will, your own desire. But yet if you believe that Jesus is the light of the world, now all of a sudden there's a new understanding of life. Because you know that everything else where people are trying to find that that satisfaction, trying to find that fulfillment, it's not going to last. And every single day you're looking for more and more and more and more. If you believe that Jesus is the light of the world... And that's something that you've accepted. You want to show them off. I mean, you want to put Jesus on display, right? You want to show them off. It's it's the story of anybody, and I'll just make it personal. Um, My wife, who I feel like I'm speaking about a lot today, she's in this service. She's amazing. Um, They're great. All right, but i got to tell you this story. We got engaged. I gave her a ring. Spent a lot of money on that little gumball machine at Walmart. And so... I give her a ring, and she, my wife is, is an introvert. She's quiet, very grounded in Scripture, and she just processes everything, and she's, here she goes in life. And yet here, my wife, when I put that ring on her finger, things started to change a little bit. i got to be honest with you. Like before, she would say, hey, how you doing? My name is Melissa. Shake your hand. All of a sudden, it was like, hey, how you doing? My name is Melissa. Because she wanted you to see the diamond. Bling. Right? Like all of a sudden, she wanted people to see, man, she is engaged, and you get it. She should be that way. If she wasn't that way after I proposed to her, there's something wrong. That should be a sign. Joel, run, right? Like that should be a sign to me if she's not excited. And sometimes we make fun of people for being excited about something when they should be excited for it. And if Jesus Christ has stepped into your life, if you recognize who he is, he's a liar of the world, you want to show Jesus off. 
Right? You buy a new car, you're like, and, and you stand outside at work. They're like, are you coming inside? But you're just standing beside your car, so hopefully your friends will see your new car. Right? You want to show it off. Right? You get a new shirt. Christmas Day, what do you do? You put it on. You're like, oh, yeah, I got a new shirt. And you want, to, you want people to know you got a new shirt. And it's, I'm not going to even say that's a bad thing. I'm just saying you want to show it off. So why in the world do we not want to show Jesus off? If he is the light of the world and we recognize that he's stepping in and those giant balls of fire that are coming off the temples are nothing with, a, with 75 gallons of oil burning in them. Those are nothing compared to the brightness of Jesus Christ. Why do we not want to show him off? You can't claim to have the light of the world and not shine the light of the world. And, and I think that's that burden that I have right now for what's taking place in our country and in our world is I'm so burdened by it. I'm speaking to Pastor Jim. He's one of our other pastors here with discipleship. And we were talking this last week and we're meeting together. And he's like, what's going on with you? I'm like, I'm just burdened right now because my family, we were, my father was a pastor. And I keep looking at the past hundred years of the church and I can trace it back to the 20s and then to the 50s and then to the 70s and 80s what was taking place and I go I can't help but 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 to believe but if we would have accepted more the light of Jesus Christ that the world would not be what it is right now because our God is brighter than the darkness that I'm currently seeing I don't want to do church just to do church. I want to be a part of God's church in order for every person to bow their knee before the almighty God. I don't want to just light giant candles and put them on top of a temple and go, look at us be church. I want us to live out being the church by showing the light of Jesus Christ. And I can't help but to think, are we doing it right? I mean, shouldn't our homes, right? That's Holy Spirit coming. We preach about this. We talk about this. Holy Spirit jumps into our life, and he's letting us know in Pentecost, right? Just, we looked at this a couple weeks ago. Pentecost is us being reminded that Holy Spirit jumps into us, and now we each represent Jesus Christ. You are to reflect Jesus in everything that you do. To put Jesus on display. How do we do that? Another metaphor, I'm the light of the world. There's all this darkness. There's all this chaos. By the way, even if you're thirsty, and I know it's the dry season, if you come to me, you're never going to even thirst again. Here comes Jesus over and over again, and he's declaring, I'm the light of the world. What does that look like for us? Passage I would ask you to even just write down and go back and look at later is Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. I want to read this for you. And uh, I'm going I'm to walk through some of this because this is one of the ways you know if you understand Jesus as the light of the world. All right? This is going to be one of those ways that you know. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Like some of you, no matter what, you're going to grumble and dispute about something. And he, what, what you're going to learn in this passage, he's like, man, you can't shine my light if that's what you're about. 
can't do it. Can't do it. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be what? Say it. And... So I need you to be blameless. I need you to be innocent. It's the very reason. There's all types of things that I could do biblically, but I don't do because I think they could actually be a stumbling block, right? I need to try to be blameless and innocent what I do. And so it says, listen, don't go around grumbling and disputing so that you can be seen as being blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, without fault, without sin, in the midst of what? Of a crooked, and, uh, a crooked and twisted generation. Do we live in a crooked and twisted generation today? Yes or no? So he's giving you instruction that if he's the light of the world, then you're going to walk around without grumbling and without all this, this, this dissension that you can create even within the body of Christ. What you're going to do is you're going to do everything you can to walk forth with the light of the world by being blameless so that you can recognize there is a crooked and a twisted generation But now you, here's what you get to do. Shine as lights in the world. He is the light of the world, so now you get to move forward and shine as the light of the world. You get to reflect him. Did you know that's the job of the church? Did you know that, biblically speaking, you can't claim to be the church without knowing your responsibility to shine the light of Jesus Christ, which allows you to be his child? So that you can shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're living a life that's not shining his light, did you know that no matter what you're doing, you're doing it in vain? It doesn't matter because it's temporary. It's going to rust. It's going to rust. It's going to be destroyed. But yet if you are shining the light of Jesus Christ, it's never in vain. So when I look at the church over the last century, especially the last 50, 60 years, I can't help but to go, man, what are we doing? We know what we stand against more than what we stand for. Like, what are we doing? I look at the hatred today, and again, I don't get upset. I just hurt for people because I so badly want them to know the light of the world. And so what does that even look like for us? What does it look like to be a light in the darkness? Every one of us. If you claim to know Jesus, you, biblically, there's a scriptural mandate for you to now shine the light of Jesus in a dark world. And some of you, and this is part of what the church has done, we have slow-tracked everybody. If someone says that they love Jesus, we've given them a 10-year plan on how they can hopefully one day talk about Jesus. Every single time in the Word of God, when somebody was transformed by the Holy Spirit stepping into their life, they couldn't shut up about it. And so one of the things that I, here's, here's one of the desires I have. And I know we're not there yet, but if I told everybody in the first service, I want to tell everybody in this service, I'll tell everybody in tonight's service, the different venues, if you're watching online, it doesn't matter. Here's one of the goals that I have. And we're, we're going to be unfolding some of this in the coming months to you guys, but I want Jesus to sit so deeply in the heart of every single person who claims Chapel Point is their home that you know that once you leave this place on a Sunday from worshiping together with brothers and sisters in Christ, you'll do everything you can to share the love of Jesus with someone before you ever return back here. Like it's just in you. Not just invite someone to church. You want to tell everybody about the light of Jesus Christ, the, the, the light of, that he brings into the world. Like it just is a yearning and a passion within you because you recognize what he's done in your own brokenness to give you freedom, to set you free from the captivity of sin.
Can you imagine being a part of a ministry like that? Where every single person, you're like, man, they, they just can't talk, stop talking about Jesus. And yet, by the way, that would be modeling what they did in Scripture. So that's, that's, that's what I dream of. Thousands of people walking forward from this place, always telling everybody about, can I tell you what God did, is doing in my life and how he's transforming? Can I tell you what he means to me? And so what's it look like to truly say he is the light of the world? What's it look like to be a light in the darkness? Three things I want to run through with you very, very quick. So make sure you write these things down. It's there on the notes for you. Even if you're at home watching, you can print them out, whatever you need to do. But right there, here are some things. If, if you embrace the fact that Jesus is the light of the world, one of the things I'd like to challenge you to do is to t- first take a picture of your life. This is going to help you determine if he is the light of the world for you. And this is what I mean by taking a picture. Now, they've come back out with them, but you remember in the, I guess, I guess it was late 70s, early 80s, that they came out with Polaroid cameras. Who was alive back then with me? Come on, anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Double ARP is not a bad thing. So they had, these, they had these cameras that they came back out with probably five or six years ago, which makes me feel cool. It makes me feel like I was cool before the young people today thought they were cool. It's called Polaroid. You take a picture, and it actually comes out right then. And you wave it, which actually doesn't help it, but you wave it anyway. You know what I'm talking about? Now, did you know that? It doesn't help to do this, but every one of you does it, right? You wave it, and it shows you a picture. We need to take a picture of our life. And in a few weeks, my wife and I, we're going to take our kids. We're going to head out west, Glacier, all those places. Um, we're basically going anywhere where we don't think there's going to be very many people because I just can't put a mask on right now. I'm done with masks. I'm sorry. I'm trying my best. And so we're going to head out there, and you see these beautiful pictures, right, of what, what God's creation really is and what it looks like. And by seeing that picture, you go, wow, that's amazing. I want to see more of that. By the way, if you believe that Jesus is the light of the world, your life should be something that other people see and go, wow, that's all about Jesus. I want to see more of that. Did you know that's, that's what the goal is of a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, is that your life so reflects Jesus Christ that other people see your life. They should see your attitude. They should see how you spend your resources. They should see where you spend your time. They should see how you treat your spouse, how you engage in friendships. And other people should look at your life and go, I want more Jesus. Is that not the goal of a believer? Yes or no? Because I'm going to go there biblically and I'm going to win, got to tell you. And so take a picture of your life and then be honest. Maybe you even had that conversation with, with some friends after church today or with family. And you say, hey, listen, let's take a picture of our life. And what does that look like? The relationships that I have, are, are they, man, they're all about Jesus. Or maybe not relationships, it's, man, the way I spend my time, it's all about Jesus. Hey, some of you are so quick I was talking to somebody recently. I was like, man, you just got to get into the Word. Just start reading the, the Gospel of John over and over. Read it at least three, four times and come back to me. I want us to talk about it. He's like, man, I don't have time for that. I was like, you just told me you binge watched an entire 75 seasons of a show. I'm like, really? 
So if you take a picture of life, and then all of a sudden what you have is an opportunity to go, do I really believe he is the light of the world? So take a picture of your life and go, what, where's my energy going? Where are my habits? What are they doing? Where, what, what do my resources say about me and what matters to me most? Like if you really want to be a light in the darkness, I'm going to encourage you to begin by taking a picture of your life. Because it tells us in Romans 12 too, right? To no longer be conformed by the pattern of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We need to take a picture of our life. Take a picture of what your language is, how you speak about Jesus, how and do you speak about Jesus, how you speak about other people. So take a picture of your life. Second thing I want you to do, make sure you write this one down. This is, man, just do this one. It's going to help you a lot. Remove barriers. If you really want to be a light in the darkness, if you want Jesus just to burst forth from your life, we've got to start removing, being honest about the barriers that we have in our life, the sin that we have in our life that needs to be removed. Because what sin does is it covers up, right? the light that Jesus is wanting to shine. That's what can take place, right? I told you about that diamond I gave my wife when we got engaged over 20 years ago. And every once in a while, I'm like, honey, can I borrow that ring real quick? Because she's too busy taking care of the family and she doesn't even recognize the thing has no shine to it whatsoever because it's just caked in the soap, which at least that means she washes her hands, right? But the soap covers up the bling. And I'm like, I need to, I need to clean that. So I'll clean it for her. I'll give it back to her. And that's actually what sin does in our life is it starts to cover up the shine of Jesus Christ if we don't repent of it and call it out and say, I need more Jesus. I need to shine like Jesus. He is the light of the world. That's what we have to do. So we need to remove those barriers that we have in life and to be honest about them. Like, I know we love to present ourselves as one way. Like, we all do it. We want to be seen as a certain person a certain way. But let me just, can I just remove the giant mask? I am insecure just like everybody else. I am broken, and I am in desperate need of a Savior. The great news is I found the Savior. His name is Jesus. You can make fun of the way I dress. You can make fun of what I drive. You can make fun of the way I speak. I've gotten it my whole life. I'm used to it. But guess what? I have a Savior. He's the light of the world. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm good regardless of what you say. Amen. Can can we start to remove the barriers in our life that keep others from seeing Jesus? Like, if nobody's looking at your life and going, man, I want more Jesus, you're shining the wrong thing, something that's temporary, something that's not going to last, something that's going to have to be replaced, something that can't provide true fulfillment. You're shining the wrong thing. Your marriage, if your marriage should be just a giant picture of people who can't wait to forgive the other one. Right? Mark of a true Christian, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and following, right? It says to outdo one another in showing honor. It's another way of saying outdo one another in the way you care for one another. Outdo one another in the way that you choose to forgive one another. That's shining the light of Jesus. We need Jesus to shine more today than ever before. If the darkness in the world doesn't disturb you, you don't understand the intention of Jesus to step in and to be the light.
Romans 13 tells us to cast off the works of darkness. And it tells us to not only cast off the works of darkness, but then it says to put on what? To put on the light of Christ. To put on, it even says the word armor, to put on the armor of light, to put on Jesus. And we do do that by removing those barriers. And then finally what we need to do is this. And this is me, this is called out for what it is. We need to point to Jesus. We have way too many people who claim to know Jesus who then, it's like they're playing hide and seek and they're hiding from Jesus. <laughs> really? We, we need to point to Jesus. Jesus said, let your light shine before others. And then he went on, this is Matthew chapter five, and he says this, Why? Why are you going to shine the light of Jesus so that they may see your good works and do what? Give glory to self? No. Give glory to your Father in heaven. We need to point to Jesus more now than ever before. We need to point to Jesus, right? A lamp's not meant to be placed on a stand to give light to give light just for us to then cover it up like it's there for a reason we need to embrace the fact that Jesus is the light of the world and the way you conduct yourself at work the way that you handle relationships and resources and all these things should just be a picture into the understanding that there is only fulfillment found in Jesus Christ do you truly believe he is the light of the world It'll flood your life. He will flood your life in such a powerful way. Do you believe he's the light of the world? And are you doing everything you can to shine him, to let other people see him? God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world the bread of life, the gate, who is the way and the truth and the life. And I come before you and I thank you that I have a light in me through Jesus Christ that defeats all darkness. And I pray that all of us are willing to truly examine, to take a picture of our own life, to determine whether or not we're allowing your fullness to jump into us so that then in everything that we're doing, we're just showing you off, God. We're just letting people see more of who you are through your son, through your grace and your love and your forgiveness and your passion for all of us, your children, your sons and your daughters. God, please use this place to be a reflection of your light. We're in desperate need of you, O oh Lord. name. Amen.